Happy Monday, my Liberty Kitty Cats. Welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. And today's episode, as you will hear mentioned throughout, is brought to you by our good friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. These guys make awesome coffee. You can find it over at laurenzotti.coffee. That's L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I, laurenzotti.coffee. And uh, not only do these guys make amazing uh, premier, premier, is that even the word? I don't know, but it's awesome coffee. That's all I know. Uh, but they are also out there helping other people launch their own coffee businesses, their own coffee shops. Uh, if you're sick of going to Starbucks, coffee bean, all these kind of corporate places, these guys are out there helping people start real coffee shops. Remember real coffee shops? They used to exist. They probably do still exist. And the guys at Lorenzotti are helping people do just that uh, by helping them locate equipment, by offering financing. Uh, they're out there not just providing a great service to people, but helping others do so as well. So please, please, please support our friends at Lorenzotti Italy by heading over to Lorenzotti.coffee and use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. That's discount code LIONS. Kitty Cats, my guest today is the host of the Peddling Fiction Podcast. He was brought to us today by a good friend of the show, one of our great patrons, and this month's Nittany Level patron who gets to decide what I'm going to do. He gets to produce an episode, and he wanted me to bring on today's guest. He is the one and only Johnny Profita. Johnny, are you ready to roar? Absolutely, man. Let's do it. All right, man. Let's do this indeed. And uh, I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really grateful for our friend Zach over at uh, Lorenzotti Italy. He's been a long-time fa- fan of our show, Lions Liberty. Long-time fan uh, of you as well. Maybe not as long, but of uh, Peddling Fiction as well. Uh, I know he's a sponsor on your show. He's a sponsor on our show. And uh, he also really wanted me to interview you uh, for, for his production, his producing duties this month. So uh, really glad to connect with you. And I'm glad he did because I've been listening to your show and uh, really, really enjoying it. I think Anybody that is a fan of what we do here on Lions of Liberty is going to fit right into the wheelhouse of what you're doing over at Peddling Fiction. So I uh, definitely want to encourage people to just head over now. Don't even wait to the end of the episode. Go over, hit, hit smash that subscribe button because you're, you're going to want to hop over and listen to some of Johnny uh, Johnny's rants here. Uh, but before we get into all that, everything you're doing with the show, just want to get to learn a little bit more about you, about Johnny Profita. So how did this all start for you? How did you first get involved and interested in just pol- political talk overall? And what led you down uh, the, this path to the ideas of Liberty? Yeah, well, it's been a pretty long ride for me. I've always been fairly political, interested in politics. But like every libertarian, you're either you start out as a conservative or a a liberal or something like that. And I was definitely I I am embarrassed to admit this. I was a conservative, a Republican, basically up until probably just after college. It's okay. We all have a dark past of some kind. Yeah, and I, I held some some positions that I would be wholeheartedly embarrassed if, to. If it makes you feel better, I voted for George W. Bush in the year 2000. So I, I didn't. all exercise our demons here. He was the, the, the only person I've ever voted for was George Bush the first time. Wow. And yeah, 18-year-olds Straight have from no Bush business. To, from Bush to uh, non-voting ANCAP, huh? Yeah, that was all it took. <laughs> and about, you know, uh, 10 years or so. But yeah, so I I got out of college and my first job was in finance and it was like October of 2007. So within the first year of of me working in finance was the Great Recession, economic Armageddon, the capitalism has failed, the world's falling apart and uh, greed has run out of control. I remember Bush saying in this will live in infamy at the beginning of my podcast, the intro. We have to abandon free market principles to save the free market system, which, I mean, it, it to this day is still one of the dumbest things I think he's ever said. It's like, okay, so wait, if your system is that good, but you have to abandon the principles of it every time stuff goes bad in order to save it, that can't be the right the right thing to do yeah that either means the principles are a problem or the system wasn't really abiding by those principles in the first right place. right and so you know all these politicians they're throwing their hands up they have no idea what happened nobody could have seen this coming and you know once in a hundred year problem but just 
you know, here are the solutions to solve this problem that nobody saw coming. Give it, you know, we're going to spend a couple trillion dollars. We're going to bail out the banks and Wall Street and everything. And none of that really sat well with me. I, I knew it wasn't a, a free market failure, but I didn't really know why at the time. I wasn't as familiar with economics or anything. And, you know, then I'm looking at the Democrats and they're telling me that greed had run amok, right? Excessive greed. All of a sudden, we just all got really greedy at the exact Yeah, no one was greedy before these uh, financial crises. Right. Right. It, just, so, it just came out of nowhere. Exactly. So even though I didn't know much about economics, I was smart enough to realize that greed is a constant thing and you can't explain a, a once in a century meltdown based off of something that's always around us. And, you know, it's the tail end of the Bush administration, which had just been an unmitigated disaster. I've been arguing with, you know, Democrats and, you know, trying. I was like, I wasn't like a staunch Republican, but I was definitely an apologist for a lot of what, what they were doing. And one day it finally dawned on me. I was arguing with this girl about politics. She was like a really liberal woman or whatever. That always and, goes well. Yeah. Oh, God. It was like, were you like, dating or was this just a no, no, it was just <laughs> just an acquaintance of mine. But yeah, it was like the least satisfying thing. It's like playing a uh, handball against the uh, curtain or something. <laughs> but um, it, it dawned on me that most of the reasons that she hated the Bush administration was they were uh, governing like Democrats. You know, you had uh, no child left behind Medicare Part D. They doubled the the uh, national debt. We had the, and then the two longest wars in American history, which uh, every, you know, establishment Democrat pretty much supported. And so now I'm realizing that there's no difference really between Republicans and Democrats. So I don't really know where I fit into the political spectrum. The economy is melting down. I work in finance and I don't really understand why. And then somebody in a private Facebook group that I was in posted a the Peter Schiff was right video. Huh. And, and I'm watching him go on national TV for like five years leading up to the, the housing crisis, talking about how there's this problem with subprime mortgages, laying out exactly what's going to happen with this housing bubble, uh, the government's reaction to it. And, it, you know, he had everything right. I mean, granted, he was way early, but um, he still understood what the problem was and that the government solution he's saying that the government solutions weren't going to fix anything. They're just going to make everything worse. And so I'm like, well, how the hell did this guy know that this was going to happen four or five years before it actually did? And, you know, so I started listening to um, this was back when they still had the, the Peter Schiff show, the radio show. I don't know right. if you ever listened to that. I did back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the best two hours of my morning at work. So I started listening to him and, you know, he would pepper in some libertarian stuff every once in a while, but it was more, I was coming at it from an economic standpoint because I was trying to figure out what was going on with the economy. And he was teaching me sort of Austrian economics. And then I started reading some more books on that. And uh, Tom Woods was a guest host of his a couple of times. So I think that's how I ran into the great Tom Woods. That's pretty much what ended up uh, starting the Tom Woods show or is Tom, you know, having success doing uh, filling in for Peter Schiff. And that kind of inspired him to, to go yeah, do his own thing Yeah, exactly. right at the same time as Lions of Liberty was launching. So it's an immediate competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took me a little longer to find you guys. But um, sometimes you got to look around for the real gems, you know, that's right. That's right. It, it took me it took me a long time to just get to where I am now, which is I'm basically an ANCAP. But so I, I came at it from the economic standpoint. It was pure Austrian economics. And then, you know, it all just kind of clicked into place. Economics is not that confusing if you understand how the economy works. I mean, the problem with Keynesianism is that they've got it all backwards, right? They've got the economic cart before the horse. And so, yeah, it, it's confusing when all your theories just keep getting proven wrong. And then you have to come up with like another theory to fix your wrong theory. You know, you never fix a new graph, a new chart, and then right. that'll explain it all until it doesn't. And then we got to do it yeah. all again. And it just confuses the hell out of everybody. So once I got a, a handle on the economic thing and I was like, well, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And he's, you know, he's sort of peppering in some libertarian ideas. I started to dig in more into the philosophy, reading, reading some more books, you know, uh, you know democracy, the God that failed, you know, eventually getting into some Rothbard and man, it was just, I just sort of, um, walk that typical path that a libertarian does, you know, just sort of diving deeper and deeper into, uh, 
into the abyss. And finally, a couple of years ago, I'm just like, you know what? I'm an ANCAP. I don't know why I'm holding on to this last little uh, thing of government, like minarchy, this last little thread of government. For what? It's it's just an unmitigated disaster every every step of the way. And so, yeah, once I once I did that, I was like, hey, I think I'm ready to start the podcast now. <laughs> what else is there to do? Did it strike you when you were really starting to understand uh, Austrian economics and actual actual economics, free market economics, that, my God, I've been I studied this field. I worked in this industry and yet I knew so little about what was really going on. Did that just blow your mind how how an entire industry can essentially get away with being run by, quote unquote, experts who really have no idea what is going on at all or even even understanding the most basic fundamentals of economics because they suddenly get thrown out of the window when we start looking at the macro level for some reason. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I didn't even really study economics or finance or anything. I just kind of fell into it, um, mm. which is pretty typical of the average American. You know, you go to you, you don't know what you want to do. You go to college, you get a worthless liberal arts degree, right. and then you get a job in a field that you uh, have, have no business being in. But yeah, and it's, then, you, then you throw that field away and go start podcasting. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't even really, I mean, I'd heard of the Federal Reserve just because my old man was a finance guy. And I, he, I think he actually made me, he wanted me to read the book, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island. But I didn't get to that for, for years after he was like pressing me to read it. But yeah, you don't even hear about the Federal Reserve. I mean, they're controlling the money supply. And it's just like, oh, the lifeblood of the economy, everything that circulates through this thing. And it's all managed by this like secret, secret group of bankers. And and I think the only time I had heard of it before I really started to learn more uh, through Ron Paul and then through the creature of Jekyll Island, uh, through G. Edward Griffin and people like that, I just thought it was, oh, that's where they store all the money. That's where they store all the gold. That's the reserve. Okay. That, that yeah. seems to make sense. No, yeah. that's not what it is at all. Yeah, it's not federal and they have no reserve. <laughs> um, but yeah, the getting an economics degree, I'm glad that I didn't because it seems like this day and age, in order to get an economics degree, you just have to throw your common sense out the window. And um, it, it would have been much harder for me, I think, to uh, latch on to Austrian economics if I had been poisoned by all that garbage that they teach you. I mean, I took a couple basic economics classes, uh, but that's, yeah, that's about it. So yeah, it, it is pretty crazy that um, it, the economy overall, it, it affects so much of our lives and very few people understand just the basics of it. So what inspired you specifically to start the podcast? Why did you, how'd you come up with a name? I know you got that quote. Uh, I think it's an Obama quote in the beginning there uh, in your, in your introduction. Yeah. Uh, but like, what, what, what did you see out there? Cause obviously I think by the time you started your podcast, see when I started, I had an excuse. There was hardly any other libertarian podcast out there. I didn't need a good reason. I just needed, I just, my reason was I couldn't find a lot of libertarian podcasts. So I wanted to start one. But by the time you got around, there's already a decent amount of libertarian podcasts out there. Some might say too many. I wouldn't necessarily say that. So what did you see? out there? What was kind of missing that you wanted to bring to the table that you wanted to put your own voice out there for? Yeah. Well, one thing, when I was going back and forth to work every day, my commute was like 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm looking for like 10 hours of podcast content, basically a week. And I always kind of found myself, I'd burn through most of my podcasts and I'd be wait. I'd be like, okay, now I got to wait a day for the next one to come out. Right. So I was still starved for content, even though you had like great, you had, I had you guys, I had, you know, Tom Woods, part of the problem, uh, old Jason Stapleton program. I, I listened to all that stuff, but I was still wanting more. And, you know, I'd never really been this guy that had, that, that knew what he wanted to do with his life. Like I always had trouble when they'd ask you that stupid question, like, Oh, if money wasn't an issue, what would you want to do when you grew up or whatever? And I never had an answer for that. Um, but I, I needed, I, if, I was thinking if I needed more content, maybe there are some other libertarians that, that want to hear what I have to say. And I think I have somewhat of a unique ability to break down really boring, complicated topics like the Federal Reserve, or like quantitative easing or something like that into a way that's approachable for, you know, average everyday people. I, I try to keep it entertaining, sometimes funny, maybe. And um, really, it was a, a lot of it was just like, I need to I need to rant about stuff like th th there's nobody else I can really talk to. So maybe if I just uh, sit in a room with a microphone <laughs> and scream into it for an hour, uh, people will start listening. 
podcasting, uh, yeah, podcasting in many ways is therapy. Before my podcasting days, I was one of those annoying Ron Paul people who couldn't shut up about Ron Paul, who was sharing every single Ron Paul video um, yeah. every single day. People were so sick of me. And then I started just talking into this microphone and I find myself, okay, I don't need to do all this outside uh, of this arena. This is my, my safe place where I can just say whatever I need to say, interview people about the things I want to talk about, and then I can maybe not harass the normies quite as much. I'll right. still, of course, talk to them when they want to be talked to, and I'll still put my content out there. But I think doing a podcast like this enables me to be not so pushy in, in my real life. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's hard to find other libertarians. I, I live in Chicago, so it, it's mostly, you know, Democrats. You have some uh, conservatives or whatever, but the libertarians that I know are, are few and far between. So there's like, there's very few people where you can talk to that it doesn't just devolve into like a, de a debate or something, which, you know, can get pretty exhausting. <laughs> Sure. I mean, I, I go through the same thing, same thing out here in Los Angeles. It's uh, oh, God, you're not yeah. going to find many fellow libertarians except for me. I have Brian McWilliams who lives basically down the street. But other than him, they're, they're few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when, when I started the show, I had a co-host who was a, a really good friend of mine. I mean, he still is. But yeah, he was like, um, I guess you could say he's a statist. <laughs> he was more of like a moderate Democrat. But he wasn't like an ideologue or anything, and he wasn't one of these crazy Trump derangement syndrome people. He's open to new ideas. If if you can convince him of something, he he might accept it. And so the yeah the original show started with me and him, and his name was John too. So uh, he was Johnny the Jew because he was super Jewish, and I was Johnny the Gentile. <laughs> and if I hadn't already picked the name Peddling Fiction, I probably would have called the the podcast uh, the Jew and the Gentile. That's not Which, bad. Yeah, not that's bad. a good one for anybody out there that wants to start another podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but by yeah, the time, it, by the time we end this call, I'll, I'll have already have the URL. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, it, you know, our, it didn't really work, you know, because it would end up just kind of being a debate most of the time. And it wasn't really what I wanted to do with the show. And, you know, he wasn't like 100% committed to it. And then he started like his own business. So he's just like, listen, I, I, I need to walk away from this, which was, I mean, I, I like having a co-host, but I also kind of like doing it myself. And so I was okay with that. And now it's just me ranting into a microphone. The, the name peddling fiction did come from that Obama quote. That always stuck with me. It was his State of the Union like years ago. And I don't know why that always stuck with me, but I was like, that'd be a good name for a podcast. And then like probably like six years later, I finally started it. Wow. So that had just been floating around in your mind that whole time, just uh, waiting for the right project to, uh, to attach it to, I guess. Yeah. You know, I dragged my feet for a long time. I, I talked myself out of it for years. Like people, I think we all kind of do this like, oh, why, why should I start a podcast? I'm nobody who wants to listen to me kind of thing. Sure. It's the, it's the imposter syndrome. And uh, we all we all have it, except Tom Woods. I don't think he ever had it. But the rest <laughs> of us all have a deal with it at some point. Right. And it, it's really detrimental. I've, I can't imagine how many things I've, I've talked myself out of that I could have been at least moderately successful in. And it's one of the, the bigger regrets of my life is that I didn't start it earlier. But, you know, better late than never, I guess they say. I think that's one lesson that uh, we can impart upon people. It doesn't even have to be about podcasting. But I think we everybody goes through these things where there's something they want to do, something they feel like they can do. But they think to themselves, well, I'm not I'm not that guy. Like, that's not me. Like, that's not who I am. But the truth is. I don't have superpowers. You don't have superpowers. Um, we are both podcasters because at some point we just decided we wanted to do it. We got over that. We got over that concept of, oh, that's that's not me. I can't, can I really do this? And just proceeded to do it. And here we are doing it. Uh, so, and there's nothing special about either of us. I right. mean, maybe we're special in our own way. We're all, we're all mommy's little boy. We're all special. But, uh, you know, anybody can do pretty much anything is the truth of the matter. If you really are, find something that you're passionate about, even if you have zero skills in that area, even if you think you don't know what the hell you're doing, especially nowadays, there are so many resources out there to learn what you need to do to do the th that thing that there's the only thing holding anybody back is themselves at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah. And believe me, I sucked when I first started. Like, I, I don't know how many episodes I recorded before I actually released one, but it was at least like 20. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, this is just terrible. It's, it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, people like you make it, make it seem easy, even just doing an unscripted well, interview. <laughs> but yeah, I, especially now with like the COVID stuff and the lockdown, it's like, you're only going to get one shot at this. 
just take it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? So nobody listens to your podcast and you spent, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks setting everything up. And even then, now you know how to edit a podcast and now maybe you can go, you know, offer that skill. Even if you don't even do the podcast, right. you just yeah. still got to learn things along the way. And whatever it is, I mean, just take the shot, live your life. You're only going to get one chance at this. So if it's something you want to do or you think you want to do, go ahead and do it because, uh, man, it's, Life is a lot shorter than you think. And who knows what it's going to look like now with uh, th this whole pandemic craziness going around. Absolutely. Well, um, that's one thing I want to talk about because you and I have, have something in common. Uh, I'm, I'm already back here stateside, but I spent about three months uh, sort of trying. Uh, I guess you can't really run away from the pandemic, but you can run away from a, a city that's very locked down like, like I did uh, running away from Los Angeles. And I spent about three months in Mexico as listeners of this show know. But uh, you're still in Mexico. You did the same thing. I think you told me before the show uh, you sh you headed down there back in July. So what prompted uh, your, you to you know skip out of Chicago and head down to Mexico? Was it just really wanting to get away from COVID madness and just kind of get get out of there for a while and uh kind of kind of curious just what your initial impressions are of actually being in mexico for an extended period of time yeah so well i've been coming down to i'm in puerto vallarta right now i've been coming down to this this condo for almost 12 years now and i, I love it down here i never came down in the summer because chicago there's three months out of the year where you actually want to stay there it's june <laughs> july and august maybe some of september and i mean i've just been growing more and more tired of Chicago. I was already kind of, I had one foot out the door before this whole pandemic started. And then they're, they're locking stuff down. Um, and Mexico was locked down too, for a while. They opened back up in June. Yeah. And the, especially, I think the tourist areas had, had even kicked out tourists at one point and closed off hotels. I think that lasted yeah, maybe a month they had, or two. They had the military on the beach. They weren't letting anybody out, but once they opened back up, I was like, okay, I could stay in Chicago. It's going to be the summer, but what can I really do? They've, you can go to outdoor bars and you can sit there and drink instead of sitting inside and drinking. But God knows I've done enough of that. Right. And I was like, well, if I go down now and I can, I can work remotely from there, I could like literally stay till at least Thanksgiving. And that sounded really tempting to me. And if you make it there till Thanksgiving, you're not going to want to come back to Chicago. To, oh, no, for, uh, I, I just heard time of year. Yeah, they just instituted a whole bunch of uh, a lockdown. My uncle just uh, texted me. He's like, yeah, there are uh, new restrictions in Chicago. Bars are closed. No indoor dining and a 10 p.m. curfew. It sounds wow, a curfew. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. that's, okay, that's that's a step farther than L.A. has gone. They haven't had any curfews except for a brief period where there was, uh, you know, the rioting and all that. Yeah. And I mean, this is going to be winter in Chicago now. So it, it, the thought of that is just so depressing. And I can come out here. you got an unbelievable exchange rate. I think I'm still getting 20 pesos to the dollar, even yeah. after you pay, you know, exchange fees and everything like that. I went that. through a phase when I was there it, uh, where it was actually up to 25. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean, so you can live like a king for practically nothing. The, the beaches are gorgeous. Um, I've got a, a wonderful setup here, an incredible pool. You can go fishing. You can eat fresh fish every day. You can grill on the beach. There's beautiful restaurants, beautiful women. The sunsets are, it's just all great. The people are wonderful. Everything's fun. And it's fully open now. Like they were kind of like half open. A lot of the, the clubs and stuff were closed, but now it's like, it's a go and you can go out dancing. There's a Cuban place. I love to go to here. You can, you can dance all night long. So they, they even have the full, the full clubs and everything and all that stuff. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You wow. just, you just do that retarded thing where you wear your mask in for the first five feet. When you right. take it off and there's 500 people around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty funny. I flew, we flew into uh, Cancun back in July, right before, uh, not long before I came back to the U.S. And uh, at the airport, it says like, you know, don't forget, wear your mask, socially distance. And there's a person wearing a mask right on top of this billboard with everyone at the club. <laughs> I was just like, okay. So even the billboard is basically saying, all right, just wear the thing and then. Yeah, it, it, it really is pretty unbelievable. But yeah, I'm having a blast out here. I, I wake up every morning with a big smile on my face. I, I take my lunch breaks, walk in the beach, swimming in the pool. And then, you know, you go out at night and, you know, I've been living my normal life. You know, I put the mask on when they ask me to walking through the lobby or when you go grocery shopping sure. or something like that. But other than that, I've been just living a, a normal life, meeting new people, going to bars, going to restaurants. And I mean, so far, so good. I guess I'll knock on some wood here, but 
I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at this point, you know, I, once I saw the numbers come out of New York, the initial numbers like back in April, where it was like, okay, if you're under the age of like 60, you're going to be perfectly fine when you get this. That's when I was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm gone. The, the next. And now it's like, if you're not 85 with three conditions and in a nursing home, you're probably going to be okay. Right. Yeah. They keep getting better at treating it. Yeah. Our, our, our 70 year old obese president was like, you know, had the sniffles for two days. <laughs> Chris Christie beat it. <laughs> I mean, That's pretty much all we need to know. I think. Right. Right. And I mean, if you're telling me I have to, I have to sit like a vegetable in, in Chicago all winter long because there's like a, a 0.001% chance that I could die from, from something. I mean, anything you do is more risky than that. Just, just walking down the street carries a, a bigger risk of something bad happening to you. So as far as I'm concerned, it was just get out of there, go live your life. As long as I can stay down here, I think I'm going to. And w- once I have to go back to Chicago, I'm probably going to rent my, I have a condo there, unfortunately, that I thought I should have sold a couple years ago and didn't. That worked out. <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably rent that out and go some other place that, you know, I can, that, that isn't locked down, that has nice weather and uh, that I can, you know, work remotely. That's another great thing about the podcast and some of the other stuff I do. I do some currency trading and things like that, where it's like, I can do it from anywhere. And that is, that is definitely one of my life goals is to have that mobile income where, okay, Chicago sucks. It locks down. I'm going to pick up and go someplace else. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's the freedom that I I think anybody should be striving for at this point. Not maybe moving to another country isn't for everybody. Uh, Maybe certain people want to live in in the town they live in for a number of reasons that uh, may all be legitimate, but there's no, there's no downside in having options. So I think everybody should at least be working towards having other options because the worst case, yeah, you don't use the other option. No big deal, but you have it. Right. And all, all the libertarian philosophy, liberty, I mean, it doesn't mean anything if you, you can't afford to, to pick up and leave when when things go bad. You know, even if it's just moving states, which is why it's, it's so you know poisonous to have a, a federal government just taking over everything. And with this blanket, you know, one size fits all policy, it, it's much easier to move states than it is countries. But yeah, to not be able to do that, it. it the most libertarian thing to me is to put yourself into a position where you, you can carry out your values because you, you have that freedom to do so. Otherwise, you know, you're just, I don't know, just talking about theories and ideas. You better, you're better off going to live them. And one thing people don't realize is as a U.S. citizen, we're essentially, you know, chattel slaves to a point. I mean, if you leave the country and work, they still will come after you for that money. I mean, oh, yeah. there are ways to, to get around that. But uh, initially, I mean, that's, you know, they don't care where you where you are. If you're working and you're breathing, they want their cut. Yeah, it, that is that is one of the most amazing things. There's like one other country in the world and it's somewhere in Africa. And I always forget the name of it, that they tax you on income you make while you're in other countries. They the federal government 100% believes that they own you. They own 100% of you and they're only taking, you know, 40% or maybe 50%. I mean, it depends, but the only reason it's that is because that's what they've decided. And if they want to take 100%, they could because we've sacrificed this principle that they have a claim to at least a portion of our lives. And, you know, three months out of the year, you're working for the federal government. Some of us, it's, it's six months out of the year and it's just... Whew. It's scary and it's just tragic at the same time to see how far we've uh, strayed from from the original principles of America. It really is. We'll talk about a transition there, guys, because I got to take a quick little time out here to tell you about another awesome podcast you need to be checking out. That is the Expat Money Show. Speaking of the U.S. government chasing you around the world for your money, uh, my friend Mikkel Thorup helps people figure their way around this stuff each and every week on the Expat Money Show. Not only that, he helps people get second passports, helps people come up with their escape plan for when the shit hits the fan here uh, in the U.S. Uh, and many would say the shit has already and is already hitting the fan. Uh, So if you want to learn more about all the ways you can escape, not just physically, but financially as well, uh, you got to check out Mikkel Thorup on the Expat Money Show. He's also got a great forum on Facebook where he discusses all these ideas. You can get involved in that conversation by heading over to expatmoneyshow.com slash forum. 
what's your approach when uh, you know trying to explain some of this stuff to uh, to the normies out there, whether it's a, a girl you're out with or, or is it just somebody you happen to get into a random conversation with? Because uh, I mean, when you, when guys like you and me talk, we can say things like uh, taxation is theft or uh, democracy is evil, and uh, it sounds perfectly normal for us. But other people hear these things and they're actually blown away, and they actually can't even wrap their heads around these things. Which is why I don't know. I go back and forth on how much we should use these phrases. I think it maybe should be more in context, uh, but at the same time, they do shock people into asking more questions at times too. So uh, strategy-wise, you can go either way, but how do you go explaining something like, say, taxation is theft to someone that might say, no, what are you talking about? We just, we voluntarily pay our taxes. We, we just fill out the thing. It's all, you know, no one's forcing us to do it um, until you actually try to look a little deeper and what happens if you don't do that. Well, then it kind of looks more right. like force. Right. Well, my my first piece of advice is if you're a guy, do not bring up uh, the fact that you're a libertarian to a girl that you're going out with. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, it's going to come out eventually, but maybe not. You know. Yeah, but you want to you want to make them like you first. It, it's well, not exactly. a first date topic that I that I would bring up. But, um, yeah, you know, one of the things I like to do with the podcast is to just pose a question to them that's going to get them to think about something that we just take for granted. You know, it's like we we go through our whole lives and it's just like, oh, yeah, you, you just pay your taxes and it's this is what we do. And I mean, for, for the tax thing, I might just say taxation is theft for the for the shock factor, because that will get them to ask, like, you really believe some of my friends, like, you really believe taxation is theft? And and I'm just like, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, how is it not? You <laughs> and, really believe it's not? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, why don't you explain to me how it's not theft? <laughs> and We'll go from there. I mean, the most common things I get don't even address the issue. Uh, what people will always say is, well, but how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to have your roads? How are you going to have your that? Like, even if I accept that I don't know how to pay for that stuff, that doesn't change what it is. It, even if you have something yeah. nice to spend it on, even if it is going to save grandma and, and you know cure someone's cancer, even if that were true, it wouldn't change what that initial reaction was. If I get robbed in the street, if someone, if a mugger jumps out, points a gun at me, it doesn't matter what he's doing with the money. It's still a mugging. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You could have the best charity in the world that you're, you're giving all the money right. to. Morally, if the United Way is coming to my house with a machine gun and getting my money, well, well, guess what? I don't care that there are charities. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if I am talking to to somebody who hasn't been, you know, red pilled or something like that, I, I would just a lot of times I bring up the fact of what the money goes to that I know they're not supportive of. So if I'm, you know, if I'm talking to like somebody who's pro-life, I'm like, well, you know, you're funding abortions or something like that. Or, you know, you're you're talking to somebody who's anti-war. It's like, OK, but they're, they're stealing trillions of dollars so we can go bomb democracy into every sandbox in the Middle East. And just like th this is what your tax dollars are going for, going toward. It, it's not this price that we pay for a civilized society or something like that. Um, I, I just asked him, I was like, so you know, starving children to death in Yemen and, and drone bombing weddings and stuff like that. That's uh, civilization to you, huh? That That's the civilized society you're going for. And then usually you can kind of uh, go from there and lead them down a, a path where it's like, if you believe you, you own yourself, you own your body, then you would own the fruits of your labor and, and nobody should, nobody else should have a claim to that. And uh, do you find that this line of reasoning can actually win people over or does it really just make them go, uh, uh, well, okay, well, I, okay, well, oh, my, my brain is melting now because I, I actually hearing logic and it's going against what I think I already believe this, the system is. You know, I, I actually dated a girl that was very liberal and even she would end up agreeing with me that it's, it's theft and stuff like that. But she's just like, I just feel like we, I just feel like we need to have it. It's just like, it's too important, you know, for the roads and things like that. She's willing to accept the theft in order for like the, the greater good of society or something like that. Right. And uh, yeah, to it's me, the old social contract that it always comes back. To. Right. Yeah. Which, which I don't recall signing. Yeah. No, none of us have, but yeah. It, and it's, and I'm like, okay, but so if you feel that way, why, why do we have to force it? And, and the majority of people feel this way, right? Cause you know, we have this democracy or whatever, and everybody's voting for these policies. Why does it have to be forced if democracy really is the, the will of the people and it represents what the majority want and the majority of people are okay paying these taxes? Why do we have to force it on everybody? And, and then, of course, it's, uh, well, you know, people won't do it voluntarily. It's like, okay, so 
then democracy doesn't represent the will of the people and it's a farce. <laughs> it's just like there, there's all these contradictions that I, I don't know how people walk around with the, the cognitive dissonance and just all of these um, all of these problems with the way you see the world. It would drive me crazy. I mean, seeing it clearly is, is still very frustrating because you realize that so many people don't see the world for what it really is. But I'd still rather take that and and really understand the world than than to go through it. It's it's kind of like you're 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 walking through life with really bad eyesight, and you can kind of make out what what you're seeing, but but things aren't really making sense because you can barely see. And then when you discover libertarianism, somebody gives you a pair of glasses and you get perfect twenty twenty vision. And then you have to spend the rest of your life trying to hand those glasses out to everybody. <laughs> and they just refuse. They, they refuse. They, they insist that they can see fine. And, you know, it's like your old dad or something driving the car after he's like 85 and half blind or whatever. That oh, I can see just fine. Like, no, no, no. Put these on. Put these glasses on. It'll change your life. I promise. And yeah, I guess that's one of the things I've been trying to do with the podcast. Makes me think of one of my favorite 80s movies of all time, or maybe even one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's called They Live. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, that's exactly the plot of the movie. They find these glasses, and uh, <clears throat> when people put the glasses on, they see things as they really are. So they see all these people around there, but half these people are actually not people. They're actually aliens. And then the billboards, they're not really what's there. It's actually saying, you know, consume, obey. It has all these messages. And you know, so it's actually starring Roddy Roddy Piper, the uh, the now now deceased <laughs> wrestler. But he's, he's just running around trying to get people to wear these glasses and get people to see what's really going on. So uh, it's a pretty good analogy. I, I had never seen that before, but I do I know Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> He's a blast then, from yeah. the past. Then, then you're going to love it. That's your homework as soon as we're done with this podcast. Well, what's it they called? Live. They Live? Uh, it's called They Live, yeah. Actually, you know, your homework is first to go enjoy an amazing uh, Friday night out in Puerto Vallarta, and then and then whenever you get around to it. Yeah, that, well, that shouldn't be hard. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, because it's just around the corner. How can we not? We just had the debate uh, last night before we're recording here today. That your 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 episode here is going to be one of the last last interviews that I have before the election. So I just no. want to get your take on the debate overall. I guess if you want to comment on the debate itself, we did a whole you know recap show up here at Lions Liberty as well. But um, but I'm really curious about where you see things going. Um, not just with the election, although I'd love your thoughts on, on that if you have a prediction. But where do you just see society going? afterwards because i think either way no matter who wins like the divisions that we've seen aren't just magically disappearing in either way yeah yeah well i actually recorded a, a podcast today doing a debate recap as well i haven't released it yet but uh, it's probably something i'll do after this um well listeners of the show can hopefully just uh, as soon as they finish this podcast go hop over to peddling fiction and check that out Boom. there you go yeah um so i i thought i thought biden had a terrible night <laughs> Um, I, I thought Trump did much better. The, the fact that they were muting his mic, I think actually really helped him out because right. that, that first time he wouldn't give Biden the rope that he needed to hang himself. He just kept interrupting him. And that works on some level for him because, you know, he's like this alpha male and he's sort of dominating the stage. But this was I thought he was much more effective in this way where it was like he could still like counter punch and hit Biden after Biden would give one of these rambling answers or something like that. And I, yeah, I, I thought Trump had a really good night. I don't know if it's actually going to have any effect on the outcome of the election. I, I really don't know how to handicap this at this point. Every, I, I kept telling myself, you know, if the economy went to shit, Donald Trump is not going to get reelected. Right. And you know, the economy is in shambles, but it, it's been forced on it. You know, it's a COVID thing. So he can kind of blame it on that. And I don't know how you handicap that. And he's talking about, you know, he wants to open up the economy. We can't just live in a basement like Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's talking about locking everything down. And, I, you know, I, I fear that I run in circles where I'm sort of in this bubble where everybody else doesn't want to lock things down. But I do see people that are like perfectly okay staying home. They're afraid to like fly. They're afraid to go into the office and everything like that. Um, every, you know, every bone in my body, my gut is telling me that just with the year 2020 is at, that Trump is going to get reelected. But every logical part of my brain says there's just no way 
They're, they're, I, so I don't know. I, I go back and forth. If you catch me on, you know, next week, I'll probably say Biden's going to win. And then two days later, I'm going to go back to Trump. It's this one's really hard for me to handicap. To me, the biggest X factor, and you know, a lot of people say the polls are more accurate now and the polls are all show, showing Biden's clearly going to win. I don't know. Maybe they're more accurate, but I also think to myself, I heard this, I saw this four years ago, and I, so I'm not going to just write it off that he can win. I'm not going to do that. Uh, everyone was doing that four years ago, and that that's four years ago is when I actually thought thought he would win. And now I am actually a little unsure because I think that this X factor is these last seven months of COVID and lockdowns. And in many ways, it's starting to feel like this election is just going to be a filter of however people feel about that, because right or wrong, um, I mean, ironically, um, Trump is probably associated with more of wanting to open things up at this point. Uh, But He's the reason for the lockdowns, really. I mean, they put out the guidelines that led to governors locking things down, uh, even though the, the tables have kind of turned in terms of what, um, you know, what Biden and Trump are both offering right now in terms of what they would do as president. Uh, but at least he's been hands off in terms of he hasn't forced anything. It's all been up to the states, at least. Of course, I happen to live in a bad state. You happen to live in a bad state uh, yeah. where they are doing the absolute worst things they can possibly do uh, to that end. But I, I just wonder how how many people are out there that, you know, um, it's anecdotal, of course. Uh, but uh, a friend of mine, he, you know, he said, like, like, my mom is like anti-Trump, doesn't like Trump at all. But now she's like, really? We can't be locked down. Are you kidding me? Like, and is probably going to vote for Trump just because she can't even believe that, like, Joe Biden is out there calling you know, saying he would lock things back down um, and, and have national ma- mask mandates and things like that. So it's really hard. I, I, I do kind of wonder how much that has changed people's votes in the last month. I mean, I, I, I think part of me thinks, you know, most pro-Trump people are going to be pro-Trump. Nothing's going to change it. Same with Biden people. But there is this X factor. And I think it, it is hard to sort of quantify how it's changing people's perceptions and how those people, how it's going to affect how those people actually go out and vote. There's no way to know. I don't even know if there's going to be a way to know on November 3rd with all this mail-in voting and early voting and, and who knows if ballots are going to be thrown out, accepted. I feel like there's going to be controversy either way. And, uh, it's probably not going to be fun, yeah. at least not in the big cities. Where yeah, it, and it, it is pretty funny because Trump kind of has to do this, walk this line where he's like, well, we had to lock things down back then, but now we can open stuff back up and, and get the economy back to, you know, how great it was, even though it was, it was you know, headed, headed off a cliff before all this started. And yeah, you know, I think one of the best things that's going to happen to libertarians is going to be this debacle of an election like it's so hard to sort of put a a spotlight on just how dysfunctional and ridiculous government is and and donald trump just does that naturally and this election now it's like nobody is going to trust these results either way like half the country is going to think that the the president is illegitimate it doesn't matter who it is and yeah i don't think we're going to find out for a couple months it may even go to the supreme court or something um, I think it goes to I think Nancy Pelosi becomes like the interim president if if you know they can't decide on anything. And well, that's a scary thought. Yeah, yeah. And it's just anything you can do to sort of uh, delegitimize the state, I, I see as a, a great thing. And where we go after this, you know, if Trump wins, it's going to, I think things are going to get really bad in a lot of these big cities. Like people are just going crazy and we've already seen a bunch of riots and everything. And I don't know how people handle like four more years of literally Hitler or something like that certainly makes our job as podcasters more difficult because you end up spending a bunch of time defending this big orange buffoon <laughs> just because the the things that they criticize him for are so ridiculous, even though there's, there's plenty of things that you can go after him for. And then, you know, on the other side, if you have um, Republicans, they're, they're just not going to accept that this was a legitimate election. Like this was stolen from him, but they seem to be more peaceful. So I think you might see, you know, just sort of like peaceful protest, like not even protest, just like um, resisting government decrees. So they're just going to start doing things that the government says you can't do, like certain states, maybe. That's what at least what that's what I'd like to see, almost like a form of secession. Like we're just going to do what the people in my state want to do, because there, there's a ton of states in the middle of the country that, you know, are going to are probably going to get over overrode by, you know, all these these big coastal cities and everything like that. And, you know, everybody there 
want wants to live their life a certain way. And I think hopefully they'll just start doing that and and see if the, the federal government's actually going to try to come after them or something like that. Right. It's going to be a it's going to be a fun ride either way. I think that I think there's no way no way oh, to deny that one. Well, oh, I guess yeah. it depends on your kind of fun. If you're a, if you're someone like us who follows this stuff and talks about it, it's fun for a lot of us. It might not be. Yeah, it's so uh, the I love the political theater. I, I just realized that I was down here. I was in Mexico the last time uh, when Trump got elected the first time. So um, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I could bring him some luck or something. Being down what here, was, uh, what was that like? Was was there much of a reaction from actual Mexicans on the ground when you were there to Trump winning? You know, I was at a casino. It was like five a.m. when they <laughs> when they announced that that he had officially won. Um, so it might be a little fuzzy. Me, me and my buddies <laughs> were were just we were shocked, like everybody else was. Um, but yeah, the the Mexicans down here do not like Trump. I haven't met really any Mexican that isn't just like fuck Trump. They sell the fuck Trump shirts and hats and everything. And, and all my friends down here, if his name comes up, they, I mean, they can't stand the guy, but they, they have been hit with a lot of propaganda. Like I, I have to tell him like, I'm listen, I'm no fan, but like he, he actually didn't say like all that crazy stuff. He said a lot of stuff, but you know, they're, they're hearing a lot of, um, a lot of propaganda down here too. But yeah, they're, they're not fans. Yeah, well, one place you can go to hear uh, an, more analysis of propaganda or not propaganda uh, is by heading over to Peddling Fiction as Johnny here breaks down all the propaganda you're hearing out there from, from politicians and all of those ilk. So, uh, Johnny, before I let you go, it's been awesome having you on. Again, thanks to Zach uh, for connecting us here. Really excited uh, to be to be interviewing you today and then, uh, you know, working you. We're going to run some ads for you over the next month or so. Uh, so I really want to encourage people to check out Peddling Fiction. Johnny, before I let you go, just let everybody know how they can find it's, it's kind of redundant at this point. You know, everybody listening to this know knows how to listening to this show knows how to pretty much knows how to find podcasts. But just in case, feel free to mention any links or any plugs you got. Sure. Yeah. Well, my website is peddlingfictionpodcast.com. You can go there. The, the podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, all the major, you know, uh, podcasting sites or whatever. You can you can hear it there. It's a free show. I do it two days a week. Usually Mondays and Thursdays, unless uh, something happens where I, I drink too much tequila during the day or something, and I, I have to push it off. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's about it. I have a YouTube channel, Pedaling Fiction. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. I usually just use Twitter for memes. <laughs> Occasionally, I'll, I'll share some thoughts, but it's mostly just me posting dank memes when I when I get bored. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks for having me on. I mean, it, I'm a big fan of the show. It's always kind of surreal when you get to talk to somebody you've been listening to. And I, Zach at Lauren Zotti Coffee, I, I can't say enough nice things about him. You know, he was the first sponsor I ever had on the show, and he's just gone above and beyond the, the call of duty. So I, I really appreciate that. If you guys haven't bought any coffee from him yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what they're waiting for either. We've been advertising it for a while. So if you haven't by now, after today, you definitely got to go check out uh, Lauren Zotti Italy, uh, Lauren Zotti.coffee, of course, advertising on this show. So yeah, I wonder if you can combine our, our promo codes. <laughs> <laughs> if you use discount code uh, Peddling Lions, then you get 40% off. Uh, try it. Who knows? Who knows? There you work. go. <laughs> but uh, Johnny, it's been awesome uh, meeting you. Awesome talking to you. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. I'm sure we'll do more of this thing down the road. And who knows? Maybe we'll meet up and uh, have some tequila in Mexico one of these days. Hey, that sounds good, man. I got I got plenty of room down here. You guys can come down whenever you want. All right. Well, I'll take that as an official offer. All right. So be careful what you be careful what you put out there. And it's on record. It's on. It's on. You know, it's on a public podcast. Oh, now, yeah. So you have Should to do it. it. <laughs> thanks, Johnny. It's been uh, been awesome talking to you. Keep up the great work, man. Keep on roaring. All right. Thanks. You too. All right, my Liberty Kitties. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Johnny Profita of Peddling Fiction. My friends, I am not just blowing smoke. I am not just saying that because Zach wanted me to interview him and I want to be nice. No, I have actually been checking out uh, the work that Johnny has been doing over at Peddling Fiction. I don't want to tell you guys to go listen to his show unless it's really awesome. Guess what? It's really awesome. Johnny does an awesome job of breaking down current events, breaking down all the nonsense you hear from politicians. He really does a bang-up job, and I think 
anybody that heard this interview today, which I presume you did if you're still listening. What did you skip to minute 50 or so of a podcast? That would be really weird. Uh, so for you guys, I'm sure it's very obvious that Johnny's a great libertarian and a great mind and someone that's going to do awesome things uh, in this movement going forward, uh, specifically with this podcast. I got a feeling Johnny's going to be staying in Mexico for a while. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, but time will tell. Either way, in the meantime, be sure to check out Peddling Fiction on all the podcast platforms out there while you're perusing around all the podcasts out there. Guess what? It's not just me here every single Monday. Most of you know that by now. We've got Brian McWilliams coming at you every single Wednesday with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. John has done some amazing work. He's done amazing work for years, but uh, lately specifically, he's had some interviews uh, with people who are actually on death row at the moment. Really, really amazing stuff. Uh, The kind of access you just don't get everywhere. But, you know, when you're in the criminal justice realm, when you're podcasting for years, you make some connections, and John has certainly done that. So you're never going to hear stories like this from people that are currently on death row. I don't think you're going to find this stuff anywhere else but on Felony Friday. So what you got to do is, if you haven't already, you got to go whack the heck out of that subscribe button because you don't want to miss any of our shows here at Lions of Liberty. You get all three shows, all three unique shows each and every week for the price of one. The price is free. What a wonderful world. Of course, if you want that price to be more than free, we are not going to stop you. There are so many ways to contribute to this podcast. You can toss us a one-time donation uh, by heading over to our website, lionsofliberty.com. It's pretty easy. We make it pretty easy for you to show you all the ways you can donate either via PayPal, via cryptocurrency, and of course, by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride on Patreon at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. That is what our friend Zach did. Zach from Lorenzotti, Italy. Uh, That is why he got to produce today's episode. That is why I interviewed Johnny Perfita, although I have a feeling I would have ended up doing so eventually uh, because I think his show is really going to take off the more and more people do hear about it and do do tune in. Uh, But while you're there, while you're checking out new podcasts, if you can't get enough lions, you've already went through all of your podcasts just like Johnny did all those years ago when he decided to start uh, peddling fiction. Well, guess what? The Lions of Liberty hosts, we have branched out. We are doing more than just libertarian podcasts now. Brian and Odie, along with our our good friend Rico, you hear him a lot on the uh, Lions of Liberty Pride Patreon show specifically, uh, but they go and uh, every Wednesday they get drunk, they watch bad reality television, and they do a show called Bravo and Beer, and it is a blast. I will say, I don't even listen, or I don't even listen, I do listen to them. I don't watch any of the shows they talk about. I just tune in to hear these guys chat and bullshit, and I gotta say, it's hilarious. So whether or not you watch these uh, weird uh, you know, reality shows like 90 Day Fiance or what have you, you're gonna really enjoy uh, Brian, Odie, and Rico chatting about those every week on Bravo and Beer. Meanwhile, uh, I am out there in the comic book world with my friend, fellow podcaster from the We Are Libertarians Network, Remzo W. Martinez. We are out there each and every week talking about the comic book events, characters, stories that inspired our our fanhood, uh, all of the characters that have really made the movies and TV shows that are so popular today. We go back and look at all the stuff that really inspired us over the years as comic book fans. We do that each and every week, each and every Wednesday on the Second Print Comics Podcast. That is the word second, S-E-C-O-N-D. Do I have to spell that for you? I don't think so, but it's not the number is the point. Don't type the number, type the word Second Print Comics Podcast. Please do check that out while you're perusing the internet. I think you're really going to enjoy our banter if I do say so myself. Uh, I think that's enough promotion, though, guys. I really do. I think you've heard enough from me ranting and raving, so I will simply bid you adieu until next Wednesday when you tune back right here for Brian McWilliams. Until next time, my friends. Live long! And live free.